So we're continuing with the fruit of the Spirit. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Galatians chapter 5. We'll spend our time there this evening. Like I said, there are nine characteristics listed within the fruit of the Spirit. And tonight we are looking at the ninth one, which is self-control. Now we still have two weeks left, so I hope you'll join us for the the next two weeks as well. Next week we're going to do something a little different that I think you'll really enjoy. Nothing intimidating for you, nothing that you have to do, but something I think you'll enjoy. But I'm not going to tell you what it is because you'll have to show up to find out what it is. So we hope to see you next week, especially. Now, all semester, we've been talking about what it means to walk by the Spirit. And that's the command we're given here in Galatians 5.16 that says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. We see here in Scripture that when we walk by the Spirit, we will not carry out the desires of our flesh. They are in opposition to one another. And if we read the next few verses in this passage, before we get to the fruit of the Spirit, you would see what exactly the the desires of the flesh are, the fruit of the flesh, the, 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 the goals, the desires of the flesh, as Paul would call them, the works of the flesh. I'm not going to take time to read them tonight, but if I read that list, nothing on the list would surprise you. In fact, if you watch the news, you look around you every day, you'll see all those things playing out in the world around us every single day. But when we read through the desires of the flesh. That's what we see, but as Christians, we are meant to be different than that. We're meant to be different than the world. We are meant to walk not by our flesh, but by our spirit. And that's exactly what the fruit of the spirit is. It is the result, the fruit, what it looks like when we walk with the spirit. We've said all semester that the fruit of the spirit is not a checklist that we need to do in order to be good Christians, but it is a mirror to help us know if we are properly walking by the spirit. Because when we walk with the Spirit, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And this is what it says in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. So tonight, like I said, we're going to jump in on that last one on self-control. I know that's everyone's favorite topic, and we love talking about self-control. But the truth is that we like to make excuses. Many of us like to be in charge, and we like to make the decisions, but we don't like to bear responsibility. We don't like self-control. We don't like the, the responsibility that it carries when we have an option, we have a choice, and we choose to do the wrong thing. But when you walk with the Spirit, we'll see that one thing you will see in your life growing and being produced is self-control. Now, what do we mean by self-control? It's not, it's not really difficult. And there's lots of different aspects, different levels of this. But ultimately, self-control is the ability to make a decision, and then it's making the right decision. It's choosing to do what you ought to do, choosing to do the very thing that you know you ought to do. Now, for every single person in this room, you have faced hundreds of decisions today already. From the time you woke up to the time that you decided what shirt you're going to wear to if you're going to make coffee, all that type of stuff. These are decisions that we make in life. But the reality is is that they don't really require all that much self-control. In fact, we don't think about most of the decisions in our life. They come naturally. We're almost on autopilot when it comes to those things. Now, I have four young children, and yesterday was the biggest candy day of the year. So my children had a, a great time collecting lots of candy yesterday from friends and some family, but now I have a choice to make. When they go to bed tonight, how much of their candy am I going to eat? (laughs) See, that is where self-control 
comes in. But you get the idea about decisions. The reality is that most of our decisions really, they don't require much self-control. They don't require much thought. But there are many decisions in our lives, many things that we must choose that not only greatly affect our lives, but affect the lives of those around us. So when it comes to the big decisions in your life, when it comes to those big moments, what are you going to do? Are you going to choose to invest and to walk according to the Spirit, or are you going to choose to walk according to your flesh? Are you disciplined in the things that matter? Do you have self-control? Let me ask it one other way. What are you investing in? I'm not talking financially, but when it comes spiritually, what are you investing in? Are you investing to your, to your flesh, to your own desires, or are you investing in the Spirit? Paul would write in Galatians chapter 6, just the next chapter after the fruit of the Spirit, he says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh, he will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. There's a choice that's set before you hundreds of times every day. It'll be set before you tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that and every day after. Are you going to walk by the Spirit? Are you going to invest in the Spirit? Are you going to sow to the Spirit and therefore reap eternal life? Or are you going to sow and invest in your flesh and bring about destruction? Now, the reality is that when we, when we sow to the flesh, it doesn't always feel like destruction right away. But the day is coming. The Bible says that you don't be deceived. Don't trick yourself. God will not be mocked. He sees what's going on, and payday is coming. So tonight, we're going to be looking at self-control. And I want us to look at it from a spiritual perspective. I'm not going to talk about from the physical perspective because I chose to sleep in and not go to the gym this morning. So I'm not one to talk about physical self-control. But I'm going to talk about spiritual self-control because I believe that spiritual self-control is a foundation for our lives. And when we are spiritually, when we have that self-control, only then can we have self-control in every other area. It really does flow down. So when we talk about self-control tonight, I want us to look at the first verse of chapter 5, Going back just a few verses, and we'll look at that tonight together. Paul wrote this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Looking at that verse and understanding the topic of self-control, there are several things I want us to examine. The first two things are really foundational truths. Whether we choose to do anything or not, these first two things are true. The third point is where it gets into your choice and when it comes to the need for us to have self-control. So quickly, let's look at these first two things. The first is this, sin is bondage. You see, we need to understand as we go through life and as we make choices, we need to understand that sin is bondage. We have choices to make in life. Are we going to invest in the spirit or are we going to invest in the flesh like we talked about just a minute ago? But what we so often do not really understand or comprehend is that when we're choosing between investing in the Spirit and investing in our flesh, we're really choosing between freedom and slavery. He says in Galatians 5.1, For freedom Christ set us free. Stand again and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. He's saying Jesus has set you free. Don't go back into the slavery that you once were in. Christ has set you free. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. 
You see, the reality is that there is no good outcome for sin. In the Old Testament, they were trying to keep the law, and if you read on the rest of Galatians chapter 5, it's talking about keeping the law and trying to, to measure up in our own ability, but the reality is, is that in our sinful nature, we have no ability to hold on. We have no ability to do anything. We are bonded in bondage. We are slaves to sin. There's no out, good outcome to sin. It might seem fun in the moment. It might seem harmless in the moment, but the reality is, is that it's not harmless, it's not innocent, it's nothing good about it. Sin is bondage. And it is a yoke that gets put on us and it always ends in death. This is what James said in James 1, 14 and 15. He said, but each person is tempted. The temptation comes when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. That's talking about our sinful nature, desires of our flesh. So enticed by his own sinful, evil nature. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. See, sin entices us. And when we're drawn away by the desires of the flesh, the Bible says that we we turn to sin, we commit that sin. And when we do that, it is conceived in us and it gives birth to death. You see, the Lord is so patient with us, but every time we choose sin, we are choosing our own death. And the reality is is that we have an enemy that hates us and that wants us to die. You see, the enemy, Satan, is laying these traps before each one of us of sin. And he wants to put us in that bondage that leads to our our death. This is how the Bible talks about Satan in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, where it says, Be sober-minded, be alert, pay attention. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling, prowling around like a roaring lion. He is looking for anyone that he can devour. Reality is, Jesus spoke very plainly and clearly to this in John 8, 34, when he said, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. You see, sin is not our friend. It's not something that we can just do to blow off some steam when we're stressed. Sin is not innocent in any way. Sin is death. Sin is bondage. And as we talk tonight, it is extremely important for us to understand that sin is is bondage. Now, the second thing we need to understand foundationally as we talk about self-control, sin is bondage, but Jesus gives freedom. Jesus gives freedom. When left to our own devices, we find ourselves in bondage, but Jesus has set us free. Jesus gives us freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Now, think about that. For freedom, For the purpose of freedom, Christ has set us free. In other words, Christ has set you free, not for you to continue to walk around in the bondage of sin, but he has set you free. He has saved you for the purpose of freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Jesus gives freedom. For people that were once in chains and in bondage, that should be very good news. But the reality is that we get so comfortable and so just used to hearing about the salvation and the freedom that we have in Christ that so often we neglect it, we forget it, we don't actually think it's all that special. Now, if you're following the news at all, you are aware that there is a terrible war going on in Israel right now, and they are fighting for their freedom and for their lives and for their God-given right to that land. And that's something that we should pray for every day, for the peace of, of Jerusalem and for Israel and for the conflict in that whole region of the world. 
when you read about the war, you'll, you'll hear that there are several hundred, at least, hostages that have been taken prisoner, captive, out of Israel into Gaza. Now, these are not military prisoners. These are not military uh, uh, hostages. These are civilians, people who are just living their life, and these terrorists came in and kidnapped them and brought them back out of their land into a foreign land. Now, a few people recently, over the uh, last week, have been released from the captivity through negotiation. Not a lot, but just a few here and there. As they, as they go through certain negotiations, a few of them are set free. Now, can you imagine what that would be like if you really think about it? You're in prison in a foreign land. You're taken captive. You think you have no way of escape. You do have no way of escape on your own, and you probably think you're going to die in that captivity. But then... They come and they set you free and send you back home. Can you imagine what it would be like walking out of there and knowing that you get to go home? You're free. The truth is, if you have been set free by Jesus, you should know exactly what that feels like. Because in a very real sense, people who are living in sin are living in bondage and they are prisoners in a war of life. This is not an imaginary war or a kind of sort of war. Jesus came and he paid the price to set you free from the bondage of sin. Jesus gives freedom. So why would we ever choose to go back into that bondage? Why would we ever choose to walk willingly back into that captivity? Phil Wickham, he was here a few weeks ago on Sunday night. He sings a song called House of the Lord. And in that song, he says this, We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, and redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We should be filled with gratitude and praise to the Lord for the freedom that we have because Jesus has taken us out of bondage of sin and given us freedom. Jesus was, Bible tells us in Luke, by the time Jesus was preaching in a synagogue in in Nazareth, his hometown, he picked up the, the scriptures and he began to read from Isaiah. And ultimately what he was reading, we would later, later find out, he would say was a prophecy of himself. So Jesus is reading these words from Isaiah, but he's really saying them of himself. He said in Luke 4, 18 and 19, that the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Jesus' mission statement in a sense. That is why Jesus came to earth, to do these things. And he's talking about us. We are the captives that Jesus has released. We are the blind that Jesus has made see. And we were the oppressed that have now been freed. So as we look at this foundation, we understand that sin is bondage. But Jesus has given us freedom. The third thing, final thing I want us to look at tonight is now this. We have a choice. We have a choice. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Therefore, stand firm then and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So you say, no, I thought you're talking about self-control tonight, but you've not talked about self-control. This is where self-control comes in to the equation. We have a choice to choose between standing firm in the Lord or returning to the bondage of sin. 
Using the language of the fruit of the Spirit, we have a choice to invest in the Spirit and to walk with the Lord, or we have a choice to indulge the desires of our flesh. Now, when I say it that way, the the choice seems so simple and so obvious. Who would choose anything other than freedom and walking with the Lord? But the reality is, is that our enemy is cunning, he is cruel, and he is crafty. We are so often thinking, oh, I would never fall in for that. But the reality is every day we fall prey to his tricks. We think it would be easier, better, maybe a little more fun just this one time to give in to the desires of our flesh. But walking according to spirit doesn't always seem like the, the fun option or the easy option. It's not always what we gravitate toward naturally. This is why we need self-control. We need to make the decision to follow the Lord regardless of how we feel. When we wake up in the morning and maybe we're just too tired to read our Bible, we need to read our Bible. When we are too tired or too worn down to pray, what do we need to do? We need to pray. This is where self-control comes in. We have a choice that we need to make. We can stand firm in the Lord or we can choose to fall again and submit again to the yoke of slavery. It sounds so easy when we're looking at it here and we're sitting in the chapel and we sing and we, we read God's word. It's so easy to decide to make the easy choice, but the reality is once we get outside the walls of this church, we go home and life hits us, it becomes a whole lot more difficult to make the right decision. And if that's you, and I know it is because it's all of us, you're in good company. Do you know who else struggled with self-control? The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a was an incredible missionary, one of the greatest, the probably greatest missionary ever to walk this earth. He, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. He was an incredibly godly man that sought after the Lord, but he said these words when writing to the Roman church in Romans 7, 14, and 15. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, and I am sold as a slave under sin. Now listen here. For I do not understand what I'm doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. So Paul says there that the things he knows he's supposed to do and the things that he has a desire in his spirit to do, he finds himself not doing them. The things that he hates, the things that he's repulsed by, the the sin in his life is exactly where he finds himself. Do you find yourself in that situation? I know I do. If the apostle Paul found himself there, I think we can be free to admit that we find ourselves in that situation as well. Now, with the few moments that we have left, I want us to evaluate the options that are before us when making our choices in life. The Bible says that we must learn to stand firm. Stand firm. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand firm. Are you going to stand firm in this life? The Lord has given you a firm foundation. Are you going to stand on it? The truth is that Jesus is that foundation. Are you going to stand with him and follow him? So here's the reality of our situation. You can stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ or you can sink into sin, into the bondage, into the chains, the slavery of sin. And we all know what sin leads to. It leads to death. The Lord has placed this before us. What are we going to choose? This is very similar to a choice that the Lord laid before the Israelites as they were going into the promised land in the Old Testament. 
Moses was challenging them. It was towards the end of Moses' life. He was giving them a final challenge before he would go on to be with the Lord himself. And listen to the way that Moses challenged God's people. He said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God, obey him, remain faithful to him. What's he saying? He's saying stand firm in the Lord. He is your life and he will prolong your days as you live in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want to tell you that heaven and earth also stands as a witness against us today. What are we going to choose? Life or death? Blessing or cursing? Walking with the Spirit or walking according to the flesh? What the Lord is saying to us today is choose life. Stand on the firm foundation. Listen to how Paul challenged the Ephesian church to watch to walk. He said, therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, he's no longer a slave to sin. He is, he is a prisoner, but he's a prisoner as unto the Lord. And he says, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling that you have received. With all humility, all gentleness, with all patience, and bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Paul's saying, stand firm. The gospel is worth it. In fact, the gospel demands nothing less than we give our all. This isn't a game. This is a war. We need to stand our ground and not give in to the lies of the enemy. For freedom, God, Christ, has set us free. So therefore, stand firm. Invest in the Spirit. Don't invest in the flesh. Walk with the Lord. Don't waste your time getting distracted and falling back into bondage. Practice self-control and make the right decision. See, the reality is most of the time we know the right thing to do. We're not usually surprised by the right decision. The question is, do we have the faith to do what God has called us to do even when it's a little difficult? The Bible calls us to stand firm. We have that choice. And when we do that, the Bible says that we are to not revert into bondage. Don't revert to bondage. Reality, that's our option. Are we going to stand firm in the Lord or are we going to fall back into slavery? The Bible says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Well, he said, don't submit. Do not willingly go back into the place where Jesus has already saved you. Do not submit yourself to the yoke of slavery. And when we do not practice self-control, when we don't do that well in our lives, that's exactly what we do. We go back into slavery. Listen to the way that, that King David talked about what it was like before he was with the Lord and now that he's with the Lord. He says, he has brought me from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay, and he has set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see in fear, and they will trust in the Lord. Is that your testimony? Has the Lord pulled you out of a desolate pit, out of the muddy, the miry clay? Has Jesus set your foot on a rock? Has he made your foot steps secure? Then why are you wanting to get back into the mud? Each one of us do it. We find ourselves back to the point where we want to go back to the point where Jesus found us and saved us. 
when we lack self-control, that's exactly what we do. King David understood the human nature time and time again to return to sin. And this is why he prayed in Psalm 19, 13, and 14, Moreover, Lord, keep your servant from willful sins. Just before this, he talks about sins that he's unwillingly, he confesses and asks the Lord to wipe him away the iniquity of any sins that he's committed that he wasn't even aware that he had done. The wrong things that he didn't even realize were wrong. Now he's saying, Lord, the things that I know are wrong, the things I willfully do, please keep me from those things. Do not let them rule over me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So what about you? Do you find yourself tonight continually losing the battle of self-control? Do you find yourself constantly slipping back and, like Paul would say, doing the things I don't want to do and not doing the things I want to do? Do you find yourself continually back in bondage, time and time again, back in chains? Reality is that you cannot break those chains. Only Jesus can. You do not have what it takes to even keep yourself out of bondage. Only Jesus does. See, Jesus pulls us out of sin, out of bondage, out of slavery, and he sets us on a firm foundation. But if we then turn to our own ways, we will end up in sin every single time. But when we have self-control, when we choose to invest and walk by the Spirit, when we choose to not give in to the indulgences, the desires, the works of our flesh, only then can we stand firm and continue to follow the Lord. You need self-control. If you need it, the answer is not to simply just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and try a little harder. The answer is to walk with the Spirit, to walk with Jesus. And you know what will happen if you do that? The Bible says that Jesus will bear fruit in your life. He'll bear the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and even self-control. See, the more you walk with Jesus, it's not necessarily that, that you're not tempted anymore, or that you're not going to fall, but the closer you walk with the Lord, the easier it gets to follow the Lord because he continues to build that self-control into your life. It's not you, but it's him. The more you follow Jesus, the more you want to follow Jesus, and the easier it becomes to follow Jesus. So if you need self-control in your life, if you find yourself continually choosing to walk back into the slavery and the bondage of sin, I want to encourage you to walk closer with Jesus. Spend more time with him tomorrow than you did today. Next week, spend more time with him than you did this week. And as you grow in that relationship, your self-control will grow. I'll finish tonight by reading this passage. The words of Jesus, I've read it most weeks. This fall, where Jesus says this, Remain in me, John 15, 4 and 5. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, let's go ahead and put our word in there tonight, just as a branch is unable to produce self-control by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. You looking to grow, produce self-control? It's not going to happen apart from the Lord. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, produces self-control. Because you can do nothing without me. 
This is not a battle of the will. This is not, self-control does not mean just try a little harder and just try to do a little bit better. Self-control is only found when we lean into the Lord, walk with the Lord, walk with the Spirit, and He produces it in our lives. So if you're missing self-control tonight, the answer is simple. Spend time with Jesus and let him produce it. It won't grow overnight. You'll still have struggles. You'll still mess up. You'll still find yourself slipping back into the bondage of slavery. But Jesus will be there every time to pull you out, to set your foot on the rock, give you a steady footing, and to continually grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you have saved us, that we walked in bondage, but you came to free those who were oppressed. Lord Jesus, that you chose to leave heaven, leave the comfort of heaven, come to earth and be subject to the cruel cross, death on the cross for us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us the ability to, tr- to have the faith to follow you, to walk with your spirit. Lord, that we would make the choice, that we would have the self-control to choose life, not death, choose blessing, not curse, to choose your spirit and not our flesh. And as we do it, Lord, I pray that you would give us and produce in us self-control so that we can walk with you more tomorrow than we did today, that we can love you more tomorrow than we do today, and that you will help us to stand firm and to not fall again into the yoke, the bondage of slavery. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.